From Urban Experimenting to Digital Sovereignty in Berlin, a conversation with Elizabeth Calderon Looney. Hi everyone, this is episode 5 of our podcast, Digital Urbanism from the Grassroots. We are again very excited as we are going to talk with our guest about her journey from a collective urban gardening to collective sovereignty over internet infrastructure. Elizabeth Kalunun Looning is an activist, researcher, and educator in an intersectional field of urbanism, right to the city, and technological sovereignty. In practice, she was the co-founder of the Neighborhood Academy in the Princess's Garden, in which she co-ran an EU-funded community wireless network project named Mazi. More recently, she also co-founded the Digital City Alliance Berlin, Bundes Digitale Stadt, in which she seeks to ensure a fairer and more equitable city for city dwellers in the digital age. In academia, Elizabeth Calderon Lunig is a research associate in the research group Inequality and Digital Sovereignty at Weizenbaum Institute in Germany and guest researcher at the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. In her PhD, she focuses on democratic deliberation of digital policy within the urban context and the notion of digital sovereignty as the individual and collective freedom and right to actively partake in shaping digital life worlds. Would you like to a bit introduce yourself and also tell us about your journey, how you find yourself in urban activism in general and also your way in Princess's Garden? Yeah, thank you for inviting me. And um, so my name is Elizabeth kandron Düning, and I've, I'm a researcher at the Weizenbaum Institute. I have been a researcher at the Weizenbaum Institute and I'm finishing my PhD at the moment. Um, and the urban activist scene was not something I'd really planned from in the beginning. It was, um, I'd always envisioned uh, working in South America um, in development cooperation, these kinds of issues, um, part South America myself, and I wanted to go back there. And I did that um, before finishing my studies. I was working for a Swedish organization in Colombia uh, working with internal refugees, and I was super inspired by the the partners that I had there. Uh, these were very local organizations of internal displaced people, um, and just their motivation coming from their own situation was something that that yeah, it was so much energy and it was such so much agency there, and it was really great to work in it. I found it difficult to be in South America within development aid, I found after two years working there, of this kind of external position that you take in. Mm. So uh, returning back to Berlin to finish my studies, I I really wanted to start working where I was living, so to say, so, so where I have the most agency, pretty much. And um, two friends of mine at the time, Robert Shaw and Marco Clausen, they were starting the Princessening Garden, just as I uh, came back to Berlin. And I was helping them out with uh, yeah, grant applications, organizational structures. And this was not something I, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't think I really understood their vision of, of Princessening Garden 
when I started, like an urban garden, why, why do you do that and who wants to engage with it? And I was a little bit skeptical uh, <laughs> in the beginning, but um, to see that grow and to see what it became uh, was, was really exciting. Then the day-to-day of managing the garden um, was a beautiful thing to do, but I also felt that I wanted to the topics that were emerging through this work, which I thought that was the most interesting thing. Like when you start gardening in a city, all of a sudden you're talking about food sovereignty or uh, about climate change. And you're talking about these really big questions on a very hands-on way. So I wanted to engage with these big questions um, a little bit further. So I co-founded an organization called Common Grounds where we uh, specifically looked at how can we start growing urban gardens uh, in other places in, in Germany? So we built up a network of, of uh, gardens that were teaching other people how to start an urban garden. And we also started engaging with um, with the local um, administration, the political administration, to see what kind of structures does the local administration need to have for these gardens to exist. So this was sort of how very organically I grew into this uh, field and the, the, um, the shift towards more of a right to the city perspective that came with that happened a little bit when, um, when the entire tenant movement in Berlin started and uh, the sellout of the city had been happening for several years. All of a sudden you started really feeling how the, the rents were going up, how spaces were being shut down, how all of this like playfulness of Berlin was, was starting to disappear. And politicians started also to try to uh, put the, the ecological and the payable rents against each other to say like but we need to build therefore because we need more housing so therefore these kinds of empty spaces need to go away and this was the motivation from the garden and from myself and from 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 my organization to start putting these two things together and saying right to the city and uh, uh, right to to payable housing and the right to uh, a city that we can breathe in are all the same kind of issues. We, yep. we overlap them and we need to, to see these as common issues. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's how, how that part uh, got in, into a very big focus of, of seeing these issues together and not as something, yeah, getting more politicized through that, I think. Very interesting. Um, I was already reading some of your works and also I listened to some of... Um, your presentation here and there, but uh, yeah, th- this this talk really brought everything together for me. How someone can, you know, find um, uh, her way in uh, in Princess Garden and also the whole work of Right to the City. But when data started to be existed um, in your work, yeah, um, you know, when you start seeing that, because I heard one of the talk we had, you said. Uh, I face with digital technology from a person who doesn't have a tech background mm-hmm. to be challenging when we want to start um, forming governance or talking with tenant movements or bringing to the city. And I want to know when you start yeah. seeing data in your work. Yeah, this was also not planned. So <laughs> I think that's the red thread in my, in my, in my <laughs> history. It's, it was not planned. But um, uh, 
uh, in the work with Common Grounds and the Princess Ning Garden, we, we co-founded uh, the Neighborhood Academy, which is uh, or which was a, a space for shared knowledge exchange between different urban struggles, different um, eco-social urban struggles from below. And um, we were asked by the University of the Arts to maybe uh, partner up for an EU uh, project on technology development. And it was a little bit like, what do we have to do with technology? We're an explicitly untechnological and undigital technological space. Um, but in this conversation of, of with them, of seeing that how because we are constantly building new technologies in the garden in the neighborhood academy, not digital technologies but but knowledge sharing or, or garden technology and things like this um, what what would digital technology look if we start building it from these kinds of settings as well mm. um, and I headed that project from from the community side then in berlin and um, and it was a really interesting ride because. I had never engaged with with except as a totally normal user, mm. um, and of course you had felt a little bit like shame maybe for using all of the big platforms, but it was not like at all in my in my vision. But um, so this is how how that started happening, and I, and very much through the work which was the the Mazi project um, eventually, through this work of seeing how technology. And technology or digital technology development has so many correlations to the um, the processes that we're seeing in cities right now yes. of, uh, of displacement, of uh, exclusion, of um, very centralized management systems, and these things. So, so all of a sudden, also this became made so much sense yes. to to think to think of them together. Yeah, I think nowadays um, talk about right to the city, we, we should pick up also on digital technology because that's, that's a part that making and bringing agency for some and taking agency from the others yeah. uh, in, in cities. Um, that's right. Um, and could you explain to us about uh, MAZI project? Mm-hmm. Like um, now we came to that. Could you to this them? moment, yeah. Yes. So the Mazi project uh, started in 2016 and was a, a Horizon 2020 CAPS uh, um, EU project. And it was um, a collaborative project between nine partners partners in five different um, cities or areas in Europe. And the idea was to um, build what we ended up calling do-it-yourself uh, digital networks. So... Um, from the beginning, there are there are always. I mean, since there was a Wi-Fi signal, there has been some kind of community network thing going on. People are uh, since the internet started. People have been um, building their own internets or uh, making internet accessible for for their community. If the lines had not, if the cables had not been drawn yet, and so forth, but so on. But but this was was something that had been done very much out of a techie community and these community networks was something that we the, the technology of te- community networks was something we wanted to work with specifically with non tech communities mm. to see what does technology look like if we design it build it and own it 
manage it from below and how do, how can you design the, the technology development process to make it accessible for people that are not um, in this realm. Um, the aim of the project was to, at the end of the project, to have a toolkit on the one side with the hardware, off-the-shelf hardware with a Raspberry Pi, uh, some open source software that was more, more or less functioning um, intuitively. But the toolkit was not only this technology and the software, but also um, guidelines, storytelling, to make it understandable how can you engage communities with this kind of technology, how can you make communities want to build their own kind of networks. Yeah. So our, um, we had, uh, the project was divided into different pilots, so each city had a, a, a pilot team of a, of a community uh, partner, which was me, and uh, an academic partner, which was my colleague Andreas Unteidig from the University of the Arts in Berlin. And we wanted to work with this technology specifically with the communities that I had been working with, um, which was tenant movements, urban gardens, um, neighborhood uh, centers, family centers, uh, and to, to, yeah, to engage with these communities. And, um, and that was super exciting and super fun, but very, very difficult, of course, because the communities that we were working with, not only are they not technologically savvy people, uh, like most people are not, um, but they're also from very precarious settings. So these are people that are foremost engaged with a political goal. They are doing this on their free time. Um, they have very little resources. There, it's it's a very harsh struggle uh, to work for these for for tenant rights, for example. And to come with something like technology, mm. um, we needed to be so sure that what our research project was doing was actually adding value to their work, wow. and yeah. not um, not just making them work harder. I think with the experience of the Princessening Garden uh, in my background, this was very useful because in the Princessening Garden we had been constantly um, asked by researchers that they, that they research the garden, whatever kind of aspects from, from how we plant to how we engage with people and so on. Yeah. And it had never come back, like the research results had never come back. So for me now to engage directly with the research part project, I, it and for our pilot team, it was very, very important to make sure that this research project was actually helping <laughs> and supporting their work and not taking from them, not taking knowledge from them and just using it for our own, but, but um, actually creating knowledge together with them that, that was useful for their work. So was no, the thing that they could get, the mm -hmm. added value to their life, mm -hmm. was the knowledge or uh, what, what other experiences or what was their take from this? So this became a very long process of engagement. I think we spent one entire year just looking at fi or finding common grounds between um, critical technology discourse and urban, critical urban discourse of seeing what what when do these things align and when what how is how is the digital starting to intervene also in their questions um, 
of tenant rights or citizens' rights within the city. Um, where can we start finding a common language? Um, so that was on a discursive level. And then it took a long time for us to even bring in the technology onto the table to show them, like, okay, this could be a Raspberry Pi, this is a Raspberry Pi. What kind of tools could we use in a local setting? Because this, I think, is also important to understand with this DIY uh, network technology of Mazi that we were using. We wanted it specifically to be a local internet. So it was um, not connected to the real internet, yes. but, but you were creating your own little network where you had the possibility to share knowledge, to, um, to chat with each other, to have different kinds of ap applications that were interesting for them. So out of this came applications that were specifically interesting for them um, in their different settings that was produced with them. It could be um, formed, like, uh, one thing we had was an application where you could just chat <laughs> right into the application. It was very local, and then this was projected on a screen. So if you're a person, in a, if you're in a large as assembly kind of a situation and you don't feel like talking, you still want to have your voice heard, you can make it heard through that. Yes. Um, it was also a place for them to start collecting their knowledge that they did not want to have on the internet because this was also really important to, um, to understand that the knowledge that they were producing at, was knowledge that they did not want to spread. Yeah. They don't want everybody to know where there are free spaces or where empty buildings are standing, not oh, yeah. to make yeah. more investors come and want to have them. So yes. this kind of knowledge is something you don't want to share with everybody. And um, so also to understand that, like the different kinds of knowledges we have and, and the value of that knowledge and the, the, the knowledge production that we're doing together. So yeah, this was a very long process and I think, but it, it would have been impossible to do this project without this very slow process of, yeah. of building that um, common understanding uh, to then eventually look at why could this in be interesting for, for them. Super and then it was still, I mean, it was still um, a volatile technology. It's, it was open source. It was uh, not working all the time. And so it was also slightly like it was creating friction, of course, to work with this technology. And um, only some of them kept on working with it at the end of the project, but the knowledge that we that we produced together of understanding at least how we want to protect our data within our group, um, how we share our knowledge, uh, what the internet is doing to this kind to our kind of way of communicating these these questions they stand yes. and yeah. And I liked also the way that um, people through Mozi could uh, have a new relation to Princess's Garden. If I'm, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I think it was also some data archive that you could just access to that if you yeah. come to Princess's Garden. Mm -hmm. Is it right? Yeah. So we had several Mazis in, in different places in the city with, with the different initiatives. But uh, in the Princessening Garden, we had our own. Um, Masi as well and there it was important for us to to make people go to the garden you can look us up in the internet and you can find some nice stories and a lot of beautiful pictures and so on and so forth but we want you to come here actually yeah. to, to engage with the space and not mm. just to talk about us yeah. um, 
So this was this was important. Or also for Stadt von Unten, which was another um, initiative we were working with, they also had a small archive in their uh, plan garage uh, in the Dragona areal in um, a space that was gonna that was sold and then taken back by the city. Also to make people engage and go there and so on. Uh, it was also used, for example, and that was a really interesting example because we got to know about it later. Like uh, somebody, we had given somebody one of these little gadgets, and um, and he just ran with it, and he mm-hmm. made um, he optimized it and made it uh, onto a little wagon, so he was using it on for demonstrations, um, especially specifically for a demonstration against a Google campus that was going to be. Yeah. Uh, starting there and so this was a way to get like people could download information about Google and about like their pamphlets and and so on they could download it from the Mazi at that organization they could also upload their own uh, pictures of things or whatever but but so it became like a demonstration tool yes and we just got to know afterwards that this had happened so this was really fun it was really fun and also as a kind of a non-human um agential uh technology was yeah super interesting i didn't know about that the story um and for those people who are listening um i put the link of the project mm-hmm. uh, in the show note and uh, for those who are watching the video you can in the video you can see some pictures but I also try to put some uh, photos of uh, the Mozi project in in show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, also then uh, you work, and then this project finished in two thousand nineteen, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in the pictures, um, I also saw uh, some construction um, thing you made. Was this part of Princess's Garden yes. work, or it uh, was needed for Mozi as well? It was like a. Uh, constructed big uh, building wood yeah. tower yeah this was something that was uh, built for princess and garden and the neighborhood academy um, by an architectural firm called uh, fat cool where they were experimenting with large wood construction so this had nothing to do with mazi but this was the place where the neighborhood academy was happening so you didn't use it for Mazi, or they, 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 we, you we didn't put, put the, the gadget yeah, exactly. We, we put the gadget yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting for yeah. me when I saw that. And then, um, because you also work on the whole Mazi and Princess Garden in a discursive level, yeah. Uh, for you, how the space, uh, the space that Princess Garden produced, uh, how it got transformed, or it did did it transform? by uh, Mazi project or during the Mazi project by integrating the data uh, in space did you had kind of a um, shifting understanding about urban space um, I think the Mazi was something that you you had to know that it existed to find it and mm-hmm. uh, um, we were not making it hyper public the princess in garden from their standpoint they did not want it to connect to the internet, for example. Mm-hmm. This was something that you could actually decide in 2000 and... When did it start? Um, 10, 12, when it started. Um, that you could say, like, oh, we're not going to have wireless. Of course, afterwards, everybody had a smartphone, so you had <laughs> uh, internet there anyways. I think the, the interesting point with having a very local digital tool is is of building trust, of, of understanding trust 
on the digital level in another way than we can on, in the internet. Of course, in the internet, yeah. we're not trusting yeah. at all. And But when you're in a uh, physical space, you trust people because you can see them. So there's another kind of trust there. And I think this was something that that I found interesting, uh, like another layer of of what the Mazi could bring um, mm. and show maybe uh, of this kind of a spatial understanding. Yeah. Um, also, I can imagine that um, there have been multiple place-based practice of knowledge mm -hmm. sharing that you also explain um, that the local community initi initiative should have done to build and maintain. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I wonder that how could you like tell us about a form of grassroots knowledge uh, sharing or was it a practice of commoning mm -hmm. uh, like knowledge commoning in, in that point during the Mazi and also the whole neighborhood academy mm -hmm. um, and to what extent it was territorialized yeah I think when it comes to building like care structures for technology and for community technology that is really difficult like long term care structures for digital technologies it was something that Uh, how do you create the motivation to do that? Yeah. Like to to as a collective, as a community, care for this uh, digital tools that you have uh, created. Um, that was something that we found in the project. That was like some persons that got super engaged and that just yeah. went and went and went and were intrinsically motivated by the technology itself. Mm. Uh, and I think this is really important when you look at all of these kinds of grassroots technology, like who is doing them? Because people can be very motivated in, do in like putting things into the world, but how do you keep on mm. caring for it for a long time? Yeah. This is, I think, a really important leverage point that we, that we did not like finish solving in, in the Masi project and I've seen also not being solved in a lot of other projects mm -hmm. but then there are other community technology projects like the Freifunk for example which has existed now over almost two decades um, but there the, it's also intrinsically motivated by the technology itself it's people that are technologically engaged that just want to do this on their free time and have mm. been doing it for 15 years or so mm. uh, so there are these and these kinds of, of um, uh, experiences and I think um, I mean these were small scale pro like the Mazi was a small scale project I think the long term effect of the Mazi was not so much the, the the hardware and the software, although the project has been taken over by other projects and other settings and so on, but but in the Berlin case, very much of building these discursive alliances and creating, like politicizing technology through working with technology. Yeah, and coming, um, exactly talk about politicizing, um, my next question is more about governance mm -hmm. and the Uh, the new structure of um, administration stuff mm -hmm. when it comes to technology in the city of Berlin, um, particularly dialogue between local community in Berlin uh, and also local uh, digital actors, what have you observed or learned in terms of this kind of data fight? governance mm -hmm. in Berlin because also Berlin is quite changing uh, mm -hmm. how the how the city of Berlin is handling 
the digitalization. Absolutely. But also Mozzi was EU funded, which yeah. sometimes bring another an, another channel of power. Yeah. And I just wanted to know what... Yeah. So after the Mozzi project, um, that's when I started becoming a researcher as well. Um, through the Mazi project, we were talking a lot about digital sovereignty. Um, this was something we started engaging with. I, I, th I think I'll make this little loop because it explains um, explains later my engagement with the city as well. Uh, so digital sovereignty in 2018, 17, 2018, when I heard that term, uh, I, I connected that with um, food sovereignty or soberanía alimentario of, of the Via Campesina. So this, this is how I thought the term was, was the idea of this term. Since then, uh, especially the European Union and Germany have been very big on using the concept of, yeah. of digital sovereignty and, that, and the concept of, has changed very much from this Via Campesina form of thinking of not just having food security but but actually governing the food structures that allow you to feed yourself, which in a digital sovereignty way could be the same, of not just being protected in the net internet, but actually uh, having governance or control over the internet and, and um, the technologies that are stemming from it um, so that you can protect yourself. The European Union, of course, has another version of this, which is more about protecting European... Uh, economy and um, safeguarding um, European security and geopolitical power structures and so on. But this was this, for me at least, a new idea of digital sovereignty, of thinking of it as more of democratic self-determination within the digital, um, I thought was really interesting on a city level to look at, because from the experience that, that we have been doing in Berlin of engaging in the city for, for tenant rights or for, house, yeah, for housing rights, uh, rights to the city, we have been engaging very strongly with local policy. And what can, how can we start engaging with local policy when it comes to digital policy? And, and uh, couldn't the city be the best administrative layer to start building up that conversation because this is where we're closest to our politicians where we can we can start understanding technology and start discussing the technology with with the, the, the politicians and and the administrations around us so this was a little bit the idea and together with several people out of the urban movement uh, arena we founded the digital city alliance which was specifically there to try to connect the, the, the topic of digital rights and urban rights and engage with digital policy. This is something that in Berlin, um, the Berlin government has had years, almost a decade of extreme austerity, so they have been lagging a lot behind when it comes to digitalizing their, their administration but specifically also lagged a lot behind in getting new competence into their administration. Yeah. So this was uh, a first big learning. We, we as normal residents of the city, we lack the knowledge of, of, of the techno-politics behind uh, 
the digital urban uh, systems, but the administration lacked this knowledge as well. Mm. So how can we start, like, how do you even end plus that, that the digital policy field is not really existing yet as its own as a framework as a framework or in its own right and mm. maybe it doesn't have to maybe it should be something that's integrated into all policy fields or or maybe it should get more focus because until now in Berlin as in Germany as in uh, many other countries digital policy has been strongly identified with innovation policy and economic policy yeah. so as long as digital policy is understood as an economical, uh, an economic growth aim or an aim for more innovation, then you're not answering a lot of the bigger questions and the bigger problems that we're having on what kind of technologies do we want, how can we safeguard the data of our citizens, um, how can we start getting non-proprietary uh, digital tools that are actually working for the goals of the city and not for profit for somebody else. Um, so these are the questions that are, until now don't really have a space within um, within the digital within the, the political administration in Berlin. So this was, uh, yeah, a big learning. But you founded the, this um, uh, digital alliance in Berlin, mm -hmm. and um, you co-founded. And mm -hmm. what's the status um, at the moment, especially with changing the. The government? The government. Yeah. yeah. So the, the Digital City Alliance is a network of um, civil society organization academic or, uh, institutions. Uh, when we started, it was specifically to engage with a specific policy development that was happening, the Berlin Digital Strategy. Exactly. Which is a, like a smart new strategy for Berlin smart cities. Exactly. Yeah. For, okay. it was, uh, originally, was the, I, the idea was to create a strategy to make all digital policy coherent in, in Berlin. And we wanted that policy document to be discussed broadly. So mm -hmm. that's why we started the, the, the initiative or the network. And um, um, it's amazing how you can blank. Don't you know. worry. Yeah. I can't see. Don't worry at all. Um, Yeah, and, and so we started this network, and and what we wanted to do was to build trust between our network and, and the administration to say, we're not being, we're not against this strategy, we're not against you talking about digital policy, we want you to talk about digital policy, we want this digital strategy, because we see it as a potential tool for us to start uh, making digital tools work for us. Mm -hmm. So this was the work that we were doing for several years to build this trust. And I think we were very successful in doing so. Um, one tool that we started was a, a, a round table for digital policy, which was organized by us, but w where we were engaging with the administration and inviting them as guests to be able to discuss certain parts of the strategy or um, other parts of digital policy that was happening in the city. And by seeing how open the, the government was to engage with us on, in this level, I think we were successful in building this trust. And then comes the first re-election, or the first election, um, 21, and then again now, 
and you see all of your effort of building that trust, which is with people, yes, um, just disappear because everybody was changed. The entire layer of people that we had engaged with had changed. And now, of course, it changes again because the, the entire government has changed now. So this was a, a very big learning of, 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 um, from our engagement of seeing that, okay, because we, and this was something we had said from the beginning, we need institutionalized uh, structures for public debate and participation. As long as we don't have these structures in place that are that go beyond elections, that go beyond legislative periods, this is going to keep on happening all the time. Mm. We did not get them in place. We have the round table, but we have now to start uh, building that trust again. Um, but this has to come from, from the city as well. And I think here comes a shift back maybe of saying, okay, we started, or at, for me at least, starting with Mazi with these very small projects looking very much on the ground and, and um, yeah, we, the, the way for me to scale up or to think of it bigger was to engage with, with the administration. And now after this experience, I feel, okay, we have to go again a step back and see what kind of projects can we start doing on the grassroots that help us through the project shift po policy directly not try to tackle the entire participation for digital policy but look at okay can we for example start building um, tools that in, that uses data open data from the city to start finding out where are uh, who is owning the city? Uh, where um, mm. where are where where are buildings supposed to be housed, but nobody's living in them? Is there a way for us to use the open data from the city to give us information that that serves the tenant movement, for example? And with that kind of a project, we can then start articulating policy for other kind of data, of saying, okay. We need this kind of data, so can we start um, in, um, integrating that in the data policy of the city to make sure that these kinds of projects can happen? So, finding a way between like the super micro project and the the very big policy work, and looking in between, uh, because it otherwise gets too frustrating if if uh, if you're constantly having to build up new relationships over and over again. Exactly, and also um, it sounds like at the beginning at least uh, would be one-sided, was it? Yes, um, I, you mean if, if it was one-sided from our, our side? Yes, to, yeah. to build the, the, building the trust. Yes, um, it was absolutely, um, I think, and it took a while before the political administration of that Senate department that was heading this um, digital strategy process uh, started believing that we were not there to criticize. <laughs> we were there to be a constructive, yes. uh, critical, constructive uh, accompaniment of the process. Um, so yes, it was one-sided. And um, at the end, it was not. At, at the end of the process with that, with that government, I think we had built... Um, mm. 
over like a synergetic working uh, basis but that cannot be um, it cannot only be between people between certain people and and our yes. organization it yeah. needs to be inscribed into mm. into administrative structures that these things have to be made these kinds of of um, conversations need to be held and these kinds of engagements with civil society and um, so on ha- have to be done exactly and it should be structurally materialized yeah um, yeah the the whole work that you uh, describe from um, Princess's Garden and Mazi and Budnis um, Digitale Stadt, yeah. uh, it's very inspiring and so many lessons to, to learn for uh, those of us who want to stay in between, between uh, academia and activism and bringing from the grassroots to the, to the discourse and from discourse to the, to the grassroots, to the city. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, I think it's quite an excellent place to wrap up our conversation. Um, and uh, I would like also to thank listener for staying with us to the end of this episode. Um, and you can find info about names and projects mentioned in this episode in the show note. And also if you want to give some tips and suggestions, you can find my email address in there. I would be super happy. Um, and if you have some um, something to add for um, as the last yeah last word, comment words. yeah no thank you so much for doing this work I think it's really important to engage specifically with this with these questions of urban digital grassroots movements and what they what they're doing how they're working and uh, to share that knowledge so I'm. Very, very happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. The body of the